Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. That's exciting, right? In, in this game, Syracuse, they came, they didn't, they didn't come, they were the home team. They were 20-point underdogs. They were, they were picked to be beaten by 20, and they ended up winning that game 31 to 17. 31 to 17. They were the home team. It was their house. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your presence, the opportunity that we have to join together with brothers and sisters. And Father, I pray that today that we will be reminded that this is our house. Help us walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew, uh, me and my wife up here, she's, she was singing. We are the youth pastors here. And if you're having your, if you're taking notes, if you don't have one of those bulletins, then you could title this Our House. Our House. You see, home team advantage in history has shown that it's a real thing, especially in sports that have arenas that they play in. Just in the NFL, um, the home team, no matter who is playing, the home team wins 60% of the time. Now, that may not sound like a huge thing to you, but you think about the history of the NFL, the home team winning more times than not, that's a, that's a pretty big thing. 60% of the time is a big thing that the home team has the edge. As a competitor, it's encouraging to look and see and hear people in the stands chanting, cheering, and you feel that support. But also as, as a fan, you guys, if you've been to a game as, as a fan and, and you look around and you see people cheering and then to have people there cheering for the same team that you're cheering for, it's, it's exciting, right? Right? You, you know, you're there, you're like, man, you're in it, like you're up and you're jumping and like, it's exciting. You know, uh, a lot, you know, I had a, I mean, I've been in church my whole life and a lot of times there'll be like speakers that we'd hear and they come and they say, you know, I saw you at the basketball game and you were a lot more excited than you are this morning. Right? And I, and I think it, and, I, and, and I'm not saying that to like speak to any, any, any like character, character issue or anything, but I want to say like when you're at a football game, when you're at a basketball game and you're sitting in the stands, you know that you have people that you're sitting with that are cheering for the same thing that you're cheering for. They're standing for the same thing. They, you know that the person sitting next to you, they're not going to think that I'm weird if I jump up and yell right now. But sometimes when we come, I don't know, it's just different when you come to church when you get into the building and sometimes he's like, you know, I don't know if the person in my row is going to judge me or not. I don't know. If I, if I jump up and praise and get loud and crazy right now, I, I, they may look at me funny, you know. But when you're at a sports game, you're not worried about that, especially if you're a parent. Look. Or, or even a sibling. I would go to my sibling's games and I would be like up and yelling and stuff like, Hold on, who am I? What am I doing? I would get mad at my mom when she would be in the stands. I'd be shooting a free throw. Go, you go, baby. I was like, Mom, I'm about to. But at, at, it's when you have people there that are with you and you're ready to cheer, it's like you jump, you get crazy, and it's, and it's good because you know that 
those that are there, they're behind you. So if I had one person stand up here, Tari, I'm gonna pick on you. I'm gonna, you can stand up where you are. Yeah, you can stand up. So if, if I asked Tari to do this chant, you know the chant that they were doing in the video, the I say whose house and you say our house. Yeah, okay. If I asked you to do it, like, let's do it. Whose house? Whose house? Who, whose house? Yeah, okay, you can sit down. Now, it could be awkward when you're doing it by yourself, but what if I had everybody stand up? Everybody stand up. If I ask everybody to do it, when I say whose house, you say, okay? Now let's, let's, all, let's all do it. Whose house? Our house. Whose house? Our house. Whose house? Our house. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. When you have people and you know that everyone in the room, everyone that's there, everyone that's with you is actually with you, it's a lot easier for you to add some volume. It's a lot easier for you to get that excitement. You know, I'm up here, I'm, I'm excited right now. Okay, you guys can sit down. You know, we see this in sports with fans, but a lot, sometimes, you know, some of you may have experienced this yesterday. Sports fans can be fickle. <laughs> you may have been watching the same game that I was watching yesterday, and you were excited at one point in time. Then at one point in time, it wasn't going so well and you, you got really quiet. You might have got mad. You might have been like, oh no, here we go again. Everything starts off well. We, then, you know, how many of you guys have been there? Sports fans, we can be fickle. When things are going well, it's easy to cheer. But when things aren't going so good, it starts to get quiet. And if we aren't careful, we can become like a fan. When a fan loses faith, he stops chanting. And the same is said for a competitor. When a competitor loses faith, he stops competing. And we have to be careful. Because in life, at any, given, at any given moment, we could be in the role of a fan or we could be in the role of a competitor. The fan being one who is looking to stir up faith in their brother or sister, to stir up faith, not only in just those that are competing, those that are involved in the struggle, but also those that are with them. The competitor in keeping faith in the midst of a disheartening situation. So today, my goal is to encourage you. And I believe that God, through his word that he has given to us, will allow us to open up our eyes so that when we face the enemy, when we face a hard, a hard day, when we face a difficult circumstance, that we'll be able to open up our eyes and instead of losing faith, we'll rise up and we'll say, nah. You thought you could come into our house and win? No. See, in 2 Kings chapter 6, we see an account that I think explains this very well. So if you have your Bibles, open up 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 15. And I want, to, I want to lead into this story saying that Elisha is with the king of Israel and the troops, and they are traveling. They are in the middle of a war. And, 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 and in the middle of this war, they've been, they've been on the move, and, and, and the king of the opposing nation was trying to find them. 
was trying to was trying to sneak up and have a sneak attack on the Israelites, on the on the nation of Israel. He wanted to attack them, and so he was trying to figure out where they were. But Elisha was getting words from God, and he was like, "Hey, don't go here. They're waiting for you here. Hey, don't don't go here. They're waiting for you here." And so the king was upset, and so he's like, "Hey, we're going to find out where they are while they're asleep, and we're going to go and we're going to and we're going to we're going to ambush them." So pick up in verse fifteen. It says. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elijah, oh, my master, what are we to do? Elisha said, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Elisha prayed, Lord, Please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when I think about this story, I imagine Elisha being calm, cool, and collected. It says it was early in the morning, so sometimes I even think like Elisha didn't even like get out of bed. You know, he's just like laying there, you know. He's, and because, and you know, he, he, they were in a war, and, and to think about it, like, he, why would he be comfortable? Because they weren't in their hometown. Because they were actually trying to avoid the Armenians, if that's how you pronounce it. They were trying to avoid. So they, they, were, they, were, they were avoiding them, and so they probably weren't in a place that they were used to. They probably weren't in a place that, that they called home. And it was actually, since they were moving they probably were even further off the way because of the way that they would go. They're like, hey, we can't go this way, so we got to take a detour. But Elisha, I, I feel like his faith had to be growing in this situation because God had been showing him what the enemy was doing. God had been, God had been giving him glimpses of what the enemy's plans was. And so every time that they would come up with a scheme, Elisha would know about it and he would tell the king, hey, hey, go tell the king of Israel that this is what they're doing and we need to stay away from this town, right? And so you can imagine that that was happening. So Elijah had his faith. He was, it was being built up all, all, all along. And so when, when he goes to sleep and he wakes up, you know what? There's a faith builder right there because, you know, we have the word of God and its design is to give us instruction, but it's also it tells us the schemes of the enemy to where we, we, we can get a glimpse because, you know, there's nothing that surprises God. There's nothing, there, the enemy, he's been doing the same thing since day one. He, he, he hasn't come up with any new tricks. He hasn't, it's all the same. And so when we see this in his word, the enemy tries to sneak up on us, but little did he know that he was sneaking up on the wrong bunch of people. Elisha was always listening to God. He was always looking to God for the next move, and, and he saw that God always came through. So even though Elisha may have been in a place that wasn't familiar, he may have been, I don't know, he could have been sleeping in a tent, but I just imagine that he was there, and he was just laying, and he heard his servant get up. Maybe he had to go take a morning bathroom break, and so he's just like, just make sure you close the tent on the way out, you know? And he comes back in, he says, hey, we're surrounded. And I don't even know, maybe Elisha didn't even open up his eyes. He's just like, hey, man, nah, don't worry about it. There's more with us than there are with them. 
That's crazy, right? I imagine that's how Elisha was he, because he's like, hey, it may feel like we're surrounded and, and outnumbered, but this is our house. This is our house. And then he, he prayed that his eyes would be open. And that makes me think that Elisha's eyes, even though he may have been asleep, he may have been chilling, but his eyes were wide open the whole time because he knew. It's like, hey, we, what we have far outnumbers what the enemy has. He doesn't, he doesn't even have to know how many people were out there because he knows. And so then he prays that, it, that, the, that his servant's eyes will be opened. And so my first thing I want to tell you is that we must open our eyes. We have to. We have to open our eyes to realize that wherever we go, there is more with us than there is with them. There's more with us than there is with them. If we open our eyes, it won't matter where we are because we can see that we're surrounded by the power of God. We just sang the song, The Blessing. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you. You are with me. Come on. That's what we were just singing. Do we really believe it? Are our eyes open or every time we come up against a circumstance, we're like, oh, man. They got me surrounded again. There's no way out. Oh, man. My bank account is on, on, on E again. What am I going to do? Oh, oh, man. My kids, they got in another fight today. I, I, I feel like I've been trying to teach them and teach them, but they, why can't they just get along? Oh, man. My husband didn't close the cabinet doors. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 28, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives what we call the Great Commission. Jesus tells us that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. And then he says, therefore, go. So he's intending us to go in his authority. So we go in the name of Jesus. And we, if we realize that we are going in the name of Jesus, that means we have that same authority. All authority in heaven. Just think about that. So those same chariots, those same horses, those same angels that were surrounding that city. Because it doesn't... Jesus didn't say, you know what, all, some of the authority in heaven has been given to me. He says, no, 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 all authority in heaven has been given to me. And so that means when Jesus says, go in his authority, that means when, when I go, I got an army in heaven that is surrounding me at all times. So even though I may, I may roll up and I may find myself in where the devil thinks is his house, it's like, no, no, no. This is my house. This is my house. Where, who, whose house is this? It's, it's our house, right? When we walk in that authority, everywhere we go is our house. But listen, when, when we walk, we have to be careful because it's really easy for us to fight our battles and to even experience victory in our battles. But then we never... Take that next step. And this is one thing I love about God. Is he, he comes through for us, right? He comes through for us, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna come through for you, Tari, and I don't want you to, you know, you, I'm gonna come through, and then you just go back to life as normal. But he gives us an opportunity, and he gives us a commission that when he comes through for us, 
he wants us to then share that blessing, to share that testimony, to share that faith. Because like I said, there's times where we're competitors, but there's also times where we need to be fans. There's times where we need to be faith builders. So as we walk, we have to keep our eyes open. We look at Elisha, he kept his eyes open because he didn't have to get up out of bed to know that, that, that there was more with us than with them. So he had his eyes open at all times. But he also was willing to share that with his servant. He's like, hey, God, open up his eyes so that he can see. You see, I, as I was writing this message, you know, sometimes I struggle and I, and I see some of the looks whenever I call us fans because we know fans can be fickle. And I struggled comparing it, comparing ourselves to just fans because there are times that we need someone to encourage us, that, that we need someone to, to build up faith, that we need someone to, to cheer us on, right? There are times where we need that excitement, but there's also times where we need something more. And I think a more fitting term instead of just needing a fan is I think we need a friend. Because fans are fickle. But a friend sticks closer than a brother. So we need a friend. I think one of the best accounts of this in Scripture will be found in Mark chapter 2. It's found in a bunch of different, in a, in a couple other places, but we're going to look in Mark chapter 2. Jesus was in the beginning of his ministry. He had just showed up onto the scene. He got baptized. Then he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and he fasted. He got strong. He came back and he started his ministry. He was in a town called Capernaum and he was there and he was preaching and he was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. And it, and it got to the point where, where everyone in town, they were just like, oh, Jesus is here. I'm going to go, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to bring all my friends because I want them to meet Jesus. There was this grassroots movement of Jesus going throughout all of this town. And it spread even to all of, all of Galilee, got to where at the end of one day, Jesus was like, hey, we're going to go into the surrounding villages, okay? We're going to go, and we're going to take this. We're going to keep this going, right? So Jesus is, is in Capernaum, and then he, he leaves, and he goes into the surrounding villages to do the same thing. And, we come, and when Jesus comes back to town, we read about this story. And word had gotten out that Jesus was back. So they found out where he was and the place was packed. So in Mark chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 3. And it says, they came to him bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And the story continues to where this paralytic man ends up walking out, carrying his mat. Now, there's a lot of things that happened. And I feel like there's a lot of things that, that weren't involved in the story, and I wish they were. But, but if, you, if, you, you, if you would let me, I, I want to I just sort of like tell a story. Can I do that? 
It's easy for us as people to get what we need from God and then stop there, but that's not his plan. We serve a God of power, but we also serve a God who is empowering. Now think about these four men. And then compare ourselves to them. Because we could be in a situation where we need something and God comes through. And we get what we need and then we just go back to life. But these four men, I think something different happens. They weren't looking out for just themselves. And even with Elisha, I, I, I led into this that Elisha didn't just leave it as him telling his, telling his servant, like, hey, there's more with us than with them. But he went the extra step and he, and he started praying for his servant. He didn't, just, he didn't just encourage him, but he took the extra step and he prayed for him. And, and I think the four men could have done the same thing. They could have, they could have seen the paralyzed man and they, they could have been there like, hey man, Jesus was here last week and he was healing everybody. I'm sure he can do the same thing for you. I heard he was back in town. We're gonna go see him. They could have just encouraged him. Say, hey, Jesus can heal you. Did you know that? And he wants to heal you. Good luck. They could have done that. Isn't that what we do? We see people who are in need. And we go up to like, hey man, what do you need? Say, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. Hey man, I'll be praying for you. Hey, whatever you need, just let me know. See ya, right? And we think about it, those things aren't bad, right? But I think that these four guys, they, 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 they caught something when, because I can't prove this, but I can imagine that these four guys, because since they were able to walk and with Jesus being in town, however long it was before, they may have been there when he was in town the first time. And when he was in town the first time, he was healing people. He was setting them free. Maybe they were there. Maybe, maybe they were there. Maybe they came and they saw Jesus and God set them free. Maybe they came and they saw Jesus and they got healed. But I can probably, I can, I, I can pretty much guarantee you, like, like I said, I can't like prove it in scripture because they don't tell us this, but I can guarantee you that when they met Jesus, their eyes were open. Their eyes were open. You know, this is cool because I was talking with Tari and I was talking with Jess about the songs that they were doing today. I was like, hey, I don't know if you guys have a song that we can do like for altar time or not. But I, I, I was thinking, it's like, I don't know. Like these don't really fit like with what I want. But then when we were singing in worship, like the Holy Spirit was just like speaking to me. It's like this is, this is it. You know, this, this, this is it. And I think these four guys, they, they, they wrote the song Build My Life. They may not have known it. But that chorus, when they, when they met Jesus, it may have been the first time that this song was sang because they saw Jesus and then maybe they just started singing, holy, there is no one like you. There is none besides you. Jesus, open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are. Fill me with your heart. Lead me in your love, not just to go back to my house, 
said, lead me in your love to those around me. And I think that, I think that when these four men, they saw Jesus, I think they hatched a plan. I think they come up with a plan. They probably, they probably told each other like, hey, that was crazy. Jesus, when he comes back into town, look, when he comes back into town, we're going to go get him. We're going to go get him. When he comes back to town, I know, I know he can't walk. But we know where he is. We know where he sits all day. We're going to go get him. So a few days later, just when Jesus came back into town, I can imagine they hear. Because everybody heard that Jesus was back in town. They were waiting on Jesus to come back. So as soon as he came back, they were crowding in the place, the house that he was living in. So they probably heard. They're like, okay. So they probably got up on the phone. Say, hey, James, it's time. Let's go get him. James probably called, James probably called Jacob. Hey, Jacob, it's time. We go, go get him. Jacob probably called Jerome. Jerome, hey, he's back. It's game time, right? They probably called up everybody. They're like, hey, we're going to go get him. It's time. And so then they go and they get him. And they bring him and they're carrying him and they bring him to this house and boom, it's crowded. They can't get in the front door. And I wonder, like, if this paralyzed man, because he already missed out the first time Jesus was in town. He missed out the first time Jesus was in town. He heard, he heard about everyone else getting what they needed. but like, man, I've been here, and it didn't work for me. I was here, and it didn't, it didn't happen for me last time. So he probably was a little bit like skeptic at the time. And then he shows up and then the house is full. He might have started doubting. But hey guys, we just maybe we'll just wait next time. But this is when we need a, a friend more than we need a fan. They probably looked on like, nah, 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 nah. Just wait. You'll see. You'll see. Hold on, I don't know if you guys heard me. You'll see. Let's go to the roof. So then they carry him up to the roof. I don't know how easy or how hard it would have been for them to get onto the roof carrying a guy on a stretcher, but I can imagine it probably wasn't something that you did on a normal day's basis. So they get to the roof. And it said that they start digging. <laughs> Look. They're up there and they're digging. I can imagine that he might have been looking. You know, he might have been looking at him and like, hey, come on. What are we, what are we doing? Uh, let's just go home. We'll try again. It's like, nah, 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 nah. Just wait. You'll see. And then they look at each other. Let's, let's bust through this roof. Like, that's crazy to me, right? You see, it's good to have someone in your life that will praise the roof off, right? It's good to have someone in your life that when you, when you need encouragement, that, hey, man, we got this. 
God did it before, he's gonna do it again. So let's just praise God. And so you need someone that will stand with you and that will get you excited where you get up and you're like, hey, you know what? I, I feel faith rising up in me right now. But sometimes you don't need someone that will just praise the roof off. Sometimes you need someone that will get on their hands and their knees and they will dig through this roof and they say, you know what? I, I, I will praise the roof, but I'm also willing to tear the roof off with my bare hands for you. even know whose house this is? Whose? I don't think it mattered whose house it was. I don't think it mattered because all they needed to know is that Jesus was inside. This is where Jesus is. This is our house. This is where the power is. This is our house. And so they were like, we're going to dig. They dug. And then they got what they came for. Didn't matter where they were. Didn't matter what obstacle there was. But they knew that they needed to get to Jesus. They knew that they had the answer on the other side. They knew that the answer was in this house and in our house there's healing in our house there's deliverance in our house there's forgiveness of sin in our house there's restoration in our house there's rebuilt families in our house there's provision in our house there's victory. If you guys would stand. I don't know what you could be dealing with this morning, but I want to let you know that you're in the house and you're in the presence of God. Whenever we walk in the presence of God, then, then we are right where we're supposed to be because Jesus is in this house. And when Jesus is in the house, this is our house. And we win in our house. And so whatever it is, just right now, just if you have any, any type of need, I just want you to just right now picture it in your head and just, just give it, just, just, just throw it down. Just throw it down. Like, hey, this is, this is our house. So this is something that the enemy has been using to try and stop me. This is something the enemy has been using to try to knock me off track. But this is our house. And the enemy isn't going to come in here and get a victory. Because whose house is this? I don't know if you guys, if you guys, the enemy thought he could come in here and get a victory. The enemy thought that he could break up my marriage. The enemy thought that he could take my kids. The enemy thought that he could take my health. The enemy thought that he could take my provision, but this is not his house. This is our house. This is our house and there is victory in our house. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you right now that we will, are able to walk and stand in your presence. God, whatever it is that may be in this place, God, I just pray that right now you're revealing it. And maybe, maybe there's somebody here and you feel like, you feel like, hey, I, I had a victory. My eyes have been open, but I, I've been sleeping. I've been sleeping. 
I haven't been sharing. I haven't been going. I haven't been trying to, to look and keep my eyes open for those who are in need. Like these four men. God, I just pray that right now you're lighting a fire on the inside of us. That we will go and we will start to share the presence of God. And it's not even just a Sunday thing. Hear me. I'm not saying that the only, thing, the only time that Jesus moves is when we're in this house, when we're here at Passion Church. We can take this presence, the same presence, and it can be with us while we're at our job. It can be with us while we're in our school. It can be with us while we're on the football field. It can be with us while we're in the stands cheering for the football team. It can be with us when you're on your knees with your friend who's broken because his marriage is about to be ended. That same presence is there. And Father, I just ask that you go with us wherever we are. Maybe there's someone in here this morning and you haven't made the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, though you can do this right now. You can do it right now. You can say yes to him. And when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, your eyes will be open. And God, I just pray that right now, everyone under the sound of my voice, if you just bow your heads, close your eyes. If there is one here, you know what? I need my eyes open. I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I've been living life without him for far too long and I want to make the decision to give him everything. Just right where you are, just lift your hand. Father, we thank you. If you're watching online, just right where you are, just lift your hand. Say, I'm, I want my eyes to be open. I want to, I want to live with Jesus. I want to give him everything. Come on, I want us all to pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I've been living life on my own. I know that you are the way. I want to walk with you. I want to be in your presence. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to encourage you before Tari comes up this week, I want you to go and keep your eyes open, not just for yourself, because you could be walking by people that are like this paralytic man who maybe even heard about Jesus, but say, hey, no one has stopped by. No one has taken the time to pick me up just show me to, and to allow me to open up my eyes because we're walking in a world that's full of people who need to meet Jesus and God has challenged and commissioned us to go in his authority and to pick up these people and carry them into the presence of God it may not be that you carry them here but you can carry them and you can show them open up your word open up the Bible and say hey I know man let me show you to let me show you this man amen amen thank you guys so much it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.